Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada. After 18 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as a year of personal monthly habit challenges, I've learned how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So I'm getting intentional about my habits and routines, and I'm hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. Today's episode is episode 144 of the Improvement Project podcast, and today I want to talk about the habit strategy of the clean slate. I'm also going to let you in on my books read list so far in 2021. There are some gooders, so make sure to tune in if that's something that you're looking for, your your next good read. All right. The strategy of the clean slate is very top of mind for me right now because John and I are in the middle of moving to a new house. So you might notice that I sound a little bit echoey today. The room that I'm in is bigger than my where I normally record the podcast, and I haven't had a chance to move everything into it yet, which would absorb some of the sound. So well, you're going to have to bear with me with a little bit of echo this week. Anyhow, we're moving uh, to a new house, and the reason for that is you might remember that we are about to start a huge remodel renovation of our house, and as we do that, we are moving through a serendipitous series of events to the house right next door. So the last time I moved my whole life was in 2010, so I had forgotten. But if you've moved recently, I'm sure that you are aware that it is a huge undertaking, a bit all-encompassing and energetically and physically exhausting. But it's also exciting. So we have moved most of our stuff and have just this past week started sleeping in the new temporary house. So all of this change reminded me that I need to take advantage of what my online pretend best friend Gretchen Rubin calls the strategy of the clean slate. Here's how she describes it in her book, Better Than Before. The fresh start, the do-over, or the new year is a crucial time because it offers tremendous opportunity for forming new habits, but it can also pose great risk to existing habits that we want to maintain. It's important to stay alert for signs of a clean slate because too often we fail to use the opportunity of a clean slate to form a desirable habit, or we fail to recognize that a clean slate is triggering a habit that we don't want to form. The slate may be wiped clean by a change in personal relationships, marriage, divorce, a new baby, a new puppy, a breakup, a new friend, a death, or the slate may be wiped clean by a change in surroundings, a new apartment, a new city, even rearranged furniture, or some major aspect of life may change, a new job, a new school, a new doctor. Even minor changes can amount to a clean slate, a change as seemingly insignificant as taking a different route to work or watching TV in a different room. One reader wrote, I've always been a regular exerciser and the weirdest thing happened once my son started taking the bus to school. I stopped. Why? Because my routine was to drop him off at school and then go right to the gym every weekday. It was an ingrained habit. Once he stopped taking the bus, the trigger was gone. The clean slate is so powerful that it's a shame not to exploit it. And by making ourselves conscious of times of beginning, we can harness these crucial moments of opportunity to forge new and better habits. For example, in one study of people trying to make a change, such as changing career or education, relationships, addictive behaviors, health behaviors, such as dieting or change in perspective... 
36% of successful changes were associated with a move to a new location. So if you're moving, take advantage of your clean slate. What might you do differently in this new environment? And be wary of allowing new bad habits to form. It's a secret of adulthood for habits. Temporary often becomes permanent, and what we assume is permanent often proves temporary. So after reading this and reviewing Gretchen's description, I realized that I have such an amazing opportunity to lock in new healthy habits as John and I move into the new house. And I'm also paying attention to what she said about uh, bad habits kind of just becoming the norm. I don't want temporary to become permanent. And I am trying to take advantage of the new space to be more organized, to um, just have my, my stuff in a group. So I'll keep you posted on how it goes, but right now I'm very aware of the clean slate. And for you, when you think about a clean slate, you don't have to move to a whole new house in order to get it. Just like Gretchen said, it could just be rearranging your furniture or cleaning off your desk, or maybe it's just go into a different room in the evening. If it's been your habit to watch TV in a specific room of your house, why not try going into a different room and stretching or reading a book? The clean slate of just being in a different space, having a different environment is very powerful and you can uh, like sort of artificially create it even if you're not necessarily moving your whole life like I am this week. All right. So I also want to be, I'm curious to know, have you experienced any opportunities like mine, like a new move uh, where it helped you to lock in a new healthy habit or something that was less intense? Maybe you just noticed that when you went into a different room or maybe it's the change of seasons, something happened and you locked in a new habit. I want to know what clean slate uh, opportunity have you used in terms of being able to lock in a new healthy habit? Reach out on Instagram and uh, send me a DM to let me know. Okay, as promised, I also want to share my books read so far in 2021. You may remember that one of my 21 for 2021 goals is to read 40 books this year. Well, we are almost to the end of the first quarter of the year, and I finished 10 books. So I'm feeling okay about it, but I am going to have to step up the pace a bit to make it to 40 by the end of the year. So we haven't had the segment, what are you into lately for a while? So I thought this would be a fun way to let you know what I'm into and also give you an update on one of my 20 for 2021 goals. All right, here's the list so far. I'll include links to all of these in the show notes. So if one of them sounds intriguing to you, you can go check it out there. So I talked about this on a previous podcast. And the first book that I read this year was called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. I really like this because I have found that in general, I am someone who has learned how to act extroverted, but I do identify as an introvert. I need a lot of alone time and a lot of downtime to recover and recharge. Um, here's the synopsis of this book. At least one third of the people we know are introverts. They are the ones who prefer listening to speaking, who innovate and create, but dislike self-promotion, who favor working on their own over working in teams. It is to introverts, Rosa Parks, Chopin, Dr. Zeus, Steve Wozniak, that we owe many of the great contributions to society. In Quiet, Susan Cain argues that we dramatically undervalue introverts and shows how much we lose in doing so. She charts the rise of the extrovert ideals through the 20th century and explores how 
deeply it has come to permeate our, our culture. She also introduces us to successful introverts, from a witty, high-octane public speaker who recharges in solitude after his talks, to a record-breaking salesman who quietly taps into the power of questions. Passionately argued, superbly researched, and filled with indelible stories of real people, quiet has the power to permanently change how we see introverts, and equally important, how they see themselves. All right, so that's a good one. That was number one. Number two, the next one I read was called Birth Order or the Birth Order Book by Dr. Kevin Lehman. So this book is pretty cool uh, because as I said before, it scratches that itch for me of why are people the way they are and why do they do the things they do? And in particular, why am I the way I am and why do I do the things that I do? Reading some of these personal growth books can be helpful in that regard. So this book um, basically is a bestseller and it offers key insights into how your birth order affects your personality, your marriage, your relationships, your parenting style, your career, and your children. So um, if you're interested in that at all, I recommend this book. Okay, number three, I read The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margarita Magnuson. So this book is really neat, especially at this time of year when people are getting that um, sort of itch to do some spring cleaning. And uh, on the podcast in the past, we've talked about the men's game and we've talked about decluttering and we've talked about how outer order contributes to inner calm. This book talks about those things a little bit, but it also brings in this really neat concept of when you're decluttering and cleaning out your stuff, uh, Swedish death cleaning allows you to do it in a way where you are considering the fact that all of the things that you have in your life, someday when you die, somebody is going to have to do something with them. So it just changes your perspective on your stuff and what it means uh, if you are potentially in your later years and nearing the end of your life or in general, if you died tomorrow, who's going to do with what all of your stuff. So it's just a neat uh, perspective shift that allows you to look at your stuff or your things in a new way. And if this intrigues you at all, um, definitely check out The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. All right, number four, Badass Habits by Jen Sincero. I've mentioned uh, this book a few times. This has become, in my in my list of habits books, one of my new favorites. So it features Jen Sincero's trademark hilarious voice and offers a much-needed fresh take on the conventional wisdom and science that shape the optimism or pessimism around the age-old topic of habits. So she talks about a lot of the similar things that Gretchen Rubin and James Clear talk about, but she does it with a bit of a a funny voice, and she's kind of hilarious. So um, it's just worth it, again, to get just a little bit of a different uh, perspective on the same subject that I love. Uh, So I would recommend checking it out. Okay, the fifth book I read, again, another nonfiction book. This one was called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Uh, When Jamie was on the podcast um, a few weeks ago, we talked about Mel Robbins and how both of us are really into her lately. She's... um, an author and a speaker, and uh, she's a bit of a powerhouse in the personal growth world. And this book synopsis says this, using the science of habits, riveting stories, and surprising facts from some of the most famous moments in history, art, and business, Mel Robbins will explain the power of a push moment. Then she'll give you one simple tool that you can use to become your greatest self. It takes just five seconds to use this tool, and every time you do, you'll be in great company. More than 8 million people have watched Mel's TEDx talk 
stock, and executives inside the world's largest brands are using the tool to increase productivity, collaboration, and engagement. So uh, Mel Robbins is pretty great. If you're not already, follow her on Instagram, and you'll get a sense of her personality and how she relays some really great personal development, personal growth uh, subjects. And this book is um, a good starting point if you want to check out her writing as well. All right, the sixth book I read this year is called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And this is a memoir and it will break your heart wide open in all of the best ways. I was up until 11 o'clock at night, midnight, some nights, John snoring next to me and I am bawling my face off because it is so good. All right, the synopsis here is a little bit long, but I'm going to read it because it'll just give you a sense of what the book's about if you haven't heard of it yet. There is a voice of longing inside each woman. We strive so mightily to be good. Good partners, daughters, mothers, employees, and friends. We hope all this striving will make us feel alive. Instead, it leaves us feeling weary, stuck, overwhelmed, and underwhelmed. We look at our lives and wonder, wasn't it all supposed to be more beautiful than this? We quickly silence that question, telling ourselves to be grateful, hiding our discontent, even from ourselves. For many years, Glennon Doyle denied her own discontent. Then, while speaking at a conference, she looked at a woman across the room and fell instantly in love. Three words flooded her mind. There she is. At first, Glennon assumed these words came to her from on high, but she soon realized that they had come to her from within. This was her own voice, the one she had buried beneath decades of numbing addictions, cultural conditioning, and institutional allegiances. This was the voice of the girl she had been before the world told her who to be. Glennon decided to quit abandoning herself and to instead abandon the world's expectations of her. She quit being good so she could be free. She quit pleasing and started living. Soulful and uproarious, forceful and tender, Untamed is both an intimate memoir and a galvanizing wake-up call. It is the story of how one woman learned that a responsible mother is not one who slowly dies for her children, but one who shows them how to fully live. It is the story of navigating divorce, forming a new blended family, and discovering that the brokenness or wholeness of a family depends not on its structure, but on each member's ability to bring her full self to the table. And it is the story of how each of us can begin to trust ourselves enough to set boundaries, make peace with our bodies, honor our anger and heartbreak, and unleash our truest, wildest instincts so that we become women who can finally look at ourselves and say, there she is. Untamed shows us how to be brave. As Glennon insists, the braver we are, the luckier luckier we get. Even as I'm describing this book, it makes me feel emotional. So I highly recommend it. I loved it. And it's one of the best books I've read this year, maybe in a long time. So um, I hope I haven't oversold it for you, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle. All right. Number seven, The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Um, I had... As, as my list implies, I had had read a lot of uh, nonfiction and then memoir. And so I decided to um, sort of jump into some fiction just to kind of let my brain have a little bit of a break in terms of um, like just getting lost in a story. So this book is very fun. It's fiction. Um, and here's the synopsis. The bride, the plus one, the best man, the wedding planner, the bridesmaid, the body. On an island off the coast of Ireland, guests gather to celebrate two people joining their lives together as one. The groom, handsome and charming, a rising television star. 
The Bride, smart and ambitious, a magazine publisher. It's a wedding for a magazine or for a celebrity. The designer dress, the remote location, the luxe party favors, the boutique whiskey. The cell phone service may be spotty and the waves may be rough, but every detail has been expertly planned and will be expertly executed. But perfection is for plans and people are all too human. As the champagne is popped and the festivities begin, resentments and petty jealousies begin to mingle with the reminiscences and well wishes. The groomsmen begin the drinking game from their school days. The bridesmaid not so accidentally ruins her dress. The bride's oldest male friend gives an uncomfortable caring toast. And then someone turns up dead. Who didn't wish the happy couple well? And perhaps more important, why? Anyway, it's a great little mystery. Uh, I loved it. I recommend it. It is called The Guest List by Lucy Foley. That was number seven. Okay, number eight, another fiction book, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. This one was recommended to me by uh, my friend Jody, and she let me borrow the book from her. And this one is beautiful. It's such a lovely book. Um, You might have heard of this one because it's been on bestseller lists. Uh, And here's the synopsis. For years, rumors of the Marsh Girl have haunted Barkley Cove, a quiet town on the North Carolina coast. So in late 1969, when handsome Chase Andrews is found dead, the locals immediately suspect Kaya Clark, the so-called Marsh Girl. But Kaya is not what they say. Sensitive and intelligent, she has survived for years alone in the marsh that she calls home, finding friends in the gulls and lessons in the sands. Then the time comes when she yearns to be touched and loved. When two young men from town become intrigued by her wild beauty, Kaya opens herself to a new life until the unthinkable happens. Where the Crawdad Sings is at once an exquisite ode to the natural world, a heartbreaking coming-of-age story, and a surprising tale of possible murder. Owens reminds us that we are forever shaped by the children we once were and that we are all subject to the beautiful and violent secrets that nature keeps. This one is, again, beautiful. So um, if that intrigues you at all, I recommend it. Beautiful book. Number nine, another fiction book called Conviction by Denise Mina. And uh, this is another fun one. Here's the synopsis. The day Anna McDonald's quiet, respectable life exploded started off like all the days before, packing up the kids for school, making breakfast, listening to yet another true crime podcast. Then her husband comes downstairs with an announcement and Anna is suddenly, shockingly alone. Reeling, desperate for distraction, Anna returns to the podcast. Other people's problems are much better than one's own. A sunken yacht, a murdered family, a hint of international conspiracy. But this case actually is Anna's problem. She knows one of the victims from an earlier life, a life she's taken great pains to leave behind, and she is convinced that she knows what really happened. Then an unexpected visitor arrives on her front stoop. A meddling neighbor intervenes, and life as Anna knows it is well and truly over. The devils of her past are awakened and they're in hot pursuit. Convinced she has no other options, Anna goes on the run and in pursuit of the truth with a washed up musician at her side and the podcast as her guide. So again, I loved it. I read it very quickly. I was done it, I think, two nights. So um, another good one. And last, um, I'm just finishing this one right now. It's called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. So this is obviously brings us back into nonfiction and um, a little more serious tone. I'm working on uncovering my own biases and doing what I can to learn more about anti-racist work. And reading this book and sharing it with you is one tiny step that I'm taking. So here is the synopsis on the book. 
Austin Channing Brown's first encounter with a racialized America came at age seven when she discovered her parents named her Austin to deceive future employers into thinking she was a white man. Growing up in a majority white school and churches, Austin writes, I had to learn what it means to love blackness, a journey that led to a lifetime spent navigating America's racial divide as a writer, speaker, and expert helping organizations practice genuine inclusion. In a time when nearly every institution, Schools, churches, university, businesses claims to value diversity in its mission statement. Austin writes in breathtaking detail about her journey to self-worth and the pitfalls that kill our attempts at racial, racial justice. Her stories bear witness to the complexity of America's social fabric, from black Cleveland neighborhoods to private schools in the middle-class suburbs, from prison walls to the boardrooms at majority white organizations. For readers who have engaged with America's legacy on race through the writings of Ta-Nehisi Coates and Michael Eric Dyson, I'm Still Here is an illuminating look at how white, middle-class evangelicalism has participated in an era of rising racial hostility, inviting the reader to confront apathy, recognize God's ongoing work in the world, and discover how blackness, if we let it, can save us all. The book is enlightening. I'm enjoying it. It's definitely teaching me some, um, some lessons that um, I think all of us need to learn, and I recommend it. All right. Have you read any of these books? If so, let me know what is your favorite. And also let me know if you have any must read suggestions that I can add to my list for the rest of the year. And that's it for this episode of the Improvement Project. I want to know if you have experience starting a new habit with a clean slate, or if you have created a clean slate with the intention of starting a new habit. Send me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone. For questions or comments, send an email to the Improvement Project at drpeggymalone.com. You can come and say hi on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone. You can always get my attention by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that new listeners find this podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this episode of The Improvement Project. Have you struggled with getting new habits to stick? You really want to follow through, but you just can't get started. Or if you get started, you just can't get consistent, or you're just not sure what to do. Do any of these things sound familiar to you? You might be aware that humans have been supporting each other and working together since the beginning of humans. And that, my friends, is the power of accountability. If you can harness that power, maybe you'll find that you'll be one step closer tomorrow than you are today toward not only better habits and routines, but also your biggest goals and dreams. Are you with me? I got really interested in how different people respond differently to accountability, and I came up with a framework of four different types of habits personalities and how they respond to accountability. I then put it all together in a super fun quiz that will help you to understand how to best add accountability into your life so that you are way more likely to follow through on your own habits and ultimately find the way to your big dreams and goals. If you'd like to see what your habits personality is and what may be your best strategy to incorporate the power of accountability to be a better human, head to drpeggymalone.com forward slash habits quiz and take the quiz for yourself. That's drpeggymalone.com forward slash habits quiz. You got this. Get after it.